Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Showmans. This is Jared Sparks, one of the pastors at Christ Church Carbondale. We want to thank you so much for listening, as Ransom said, my son. And we ultimately hope that these are God-honoring. And because they are God-honoring, we hope that they are also edifying and encouraging and, and challenging to you in the best sort of way. Thanks so much for listening. Romans chapter 3, verse 27 to 31. Here's what it says. Then what becomes of our boasting? What becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Faith murders pride. So last week, bringing us up to speed to this week, we did kind of a summary, and I guess I can go ahead and do that again. The first three chapters of the book of Romans deal with anthropology, the doctrine of man. Who are we apart from God? And what does religion get us in this world, like bottom-up religion? What does trying and good works get us or earn us in this world? And anything, it, it earns us condemnation, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, as Ephesians chapter 2 says. In Romans chapter 3, the death blow comes to the human, human pride and arrogance, and we're told that no one seeks God, no one is good, no, not one. We're in a mess. And we can't be saved by works, although all religions in the world disagree with God's word and say you can be saved to, by works, or they do contribute to your salvation. Christianity comes along and it actually gives us some good news that it's not up to you. It's not about what we can do on our own strength. Finally, somebody will take our burden away. Because we feel the burdens of life. We feel the burdens of living up to what we say we believe. We feel the burden, my goodness, of trying to save ourselves through our own abilities and efforts. And finally, a message that comes along and says the burden can be taken away. Jesus will bear your burden for you. The great burden bearer, that he did it, he accomplished it. The good news that's proclaimed to us is that you are saved. You are forgiven. You are counted righteous. And we work through these things that were not saved by works of the law, that God did all this work, that he put forth the propitiation for our sins, Jesus Christ, that it was God who saved us from himself. We are saved from God, by God, for God, and for his glory. God did this whole, all this work. And then we get to this statement in verse 27, well, what then becomes of our boasting? If we've been saved from God, from God's wrath, if we have been redeemed out of sinful life, and if we have been recipients of God's grace, all as a gift, and we have been justified, then what do we have to boast about? And the answer we hear today is we have nothing to boast about. Faith. Faith excludes boasting. Well, why is boasting excluded? And what kind of boasting is excluded? We are told to boast that we know the Lord. But we are not called to boast that we are somehow in right relationship with the Lord because of ourselves. There's a certain kind of boasting that's excluded. And the boasting that is excluded specifically in the context of Romans chapter 1 through 4 is boasting in our salvation. We are excluded 
from the right to boast in anything that we have done. God is the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Human works save no one. So the real practical question that comes to all of us, when we're asked the question, if I was just to ask you, why are you a Christian? How are you a Christian? And if the initial impulse rises up inside of us, whether you vocalize it or not, is because I. Because I. Because I. If if that's the initial response, then there's aspects of grace that I hope you discover today. Because the reason you are a Christian is not because you. It's because God. Practically, we can't take credit for anything in our lives that's good. Nothing. You say, well, I worked hard. Well, God's working in you and through you for his good pleasure. Well, you can't take credit for that work. That's God working in you. Well, I trusted the Lord and I reasoned together and put these things. That was God. That wasn't you. Well, I'm the one who expressed faith in Christ. You're absolutely right. But who gave you the faith to express? God. There is nothing in our lives that we can take credit for that's good. That's a good gift. And that is the boasting that is excluded. There was nothing in me that made me stand out to God. And there was nothing in you that made you stand out to God. That is the reason you are saved. The reason you will be with God forever is because of God's grace and God's grace alone. You have been saved by grace through faith, not through works. And we get this, right? Because if we've been saved by works, then there is something. If there's been something in us that contributes to me being saved, I may be able to give 99 praises to God. But if there's anything in this whole scheme of salvation that was up to me, then there is something in me that I can be thankful for. There's something that I can boast in. There's something that I can be proud of. But biblical faith, biblical faith, what we see here today, excludes any boasting in ourselves. So there is nothing that we can take credit for. And I want us to get that because I don't really think we do get that, especially in evangelical circles. And many of the churches that you grew up in are fine Bible-believing churches. And in our church, we say this, but it, it's like light bulbs can go off in our head. Like, oh, and I still have light bulbs going off in my head. Aren't you, aren't you glad that you've not discovered all the grace of God that there is to discover? Aren't you glad that you haven't arrived? Praise the Lord that <laughs> we behold that we haven't arrived. And so maybe a light bulb goes off today. You're a Christian, not because of anything in you. The only reason you're saved and your sins are forgiven and that you have the life that you have is because God has been kind to you and he has been merciful to you. And he doesn't owe that to anybody else. He has given you grace that he has not given some other people. And it's not because of you. It's because of him and him alone. We are recipients. Why are you a Christian? Gosh, God has been kind to me. He has been merciful to me. Boasting is excluded in this scheme, the true scheme of justification. We cannot take credit for it. And if there are certain pockets of our life that we want to take credit for, we don't yet understand the biblical doctrine of justification. God has declared you righteous. We have not earned that declaration. This is grace. The grace of God is highly offensive to people who work hard. Highly offensive to people who take great pride in their moralism. Highly offensive to people who grew up and didn't have 
a rebellious side of them. Highly offensive to people who tuck their shirts in, and this isn't about tucking your shirts in if you do, but highly offensive to people who tuck their shirts in and wear slacks every day and are squeaky clean on the exterior. The grace of God is highly... What was that? I missed it. I'm sorry, I'm a hot Oh, and who wear ties. And it's a metaphor, folks. I love ties. And ties are back in. It's a metaphor here, folks. For folks who have always been squeaky clean in their life, who've done the right thing, or even grew up in church. That's why so many people grow, grow up in church and don't know God. They grow up in church, they go away to college, and they walk away, and people ask, why do people leave the church? Because they were never a part of the church. That's why. They were never converted. And I'm so thankful that as we're as a church thinking through these things, we want our children to know Jesus. We don't want them just to have fun for 18 years. We don't want them to walk away from, from G we want them to know Jesus. The reason people leave the church is they don't know him. That's why. And so we're praying that people would know him. And if we do, boasting is excluded. We have done nothing. God has done it all. And it is excluded for a certain reason, by this law of faith. Now, this is fascinating because faith, it, we're called this law of faith. The law of faith excludes boasting. Well, what in the world is this law of faith? Look with me. By what kind of law is boasting excluded? By the law of works or by the law of faith? Well, what is this law of faith? Well, whatever it is, the law of faith is what excludes boasting. Okay, The law of faith is what excludes boasting. And this is where many people go wrong with faith, and maybe you and I. Now, there's a, a girl named Faith in here over and over again. I'm saying her name today. So, Faith, you're getting a lot of shout-outs today. But here's where many people go wrong with faith. Faith is wildly misunderstood in Christian circles today. Wildly misunderstood in hearts like this guy's right here. Because I can't tell you how many times I have been around people and I, in fact, have boasted in my faith. Boasted in my faith. Been proud that I have faith been proud that I am constant, that I am steadfast when others would be wavering. Faith is not something to boast in. Faith is something, unfortunately, however, that many people do boast in it. I have it, so should you. The negative application is this, it, why can't people see what I see? Why can't they see it? Why don't they just have faith the way that we do? Why don't they repent of their sins and trust in Jesus? They're blinded. That's why. They're spiritually dead. Faith is something that sometimes people are condemned for for not having even after they're a Christian. Why don't you just have more faith? If you would just have more faith. Faith is looked at as a work that we should express. If we'll just do the work of faith, things would go better in my life. I would be healed of this disease. I would get this job that I want. I would get this promotion that I want if I would just have more faith. And others come along and fan that misunderstood, misunderstood flame, and they say, yes, if you'll just have more faith. And there are shreds of truth in this. But we're missing what biblical faith is. It is boasting in faith. But true faith, the law of faith, excludes any, side, any sort of boasting in it. 
True faith is not something to boast in. Anybody who would come along inside and say in their heart, even if it's not verbalized, why don't they just put their faith in Christ like I did? That is boasting. But biblical faith is not a human work from inside out. Biblical faith is first before it's inside out. Biblical faith, biblical faith is a gift from God from the inside out. He gives it and then it's expressed. Faith is not something that originates in the human being. It's just inherent within us. And if we see faith as something that I've always had, then I boast in the faith that I express. I've just given my faith in the right place, and other, pers- other people have put their faith in the wrong place. But the law of faith excludes that kind of thinking about this five-letter word called faith. We can't take credit for the faith that we have in Christ. It's excluded. Boasting's excluded. God gave you that faith that you have in Christ. Now let me just ask you, if that's true, or maybe you've never considered that before, if God gave you the very faith that you actually expressed, you did express it, you gave it to the Lord, you put your faith in Christ, you have to, you can't be a Christian without that. But if you've never considered that that faith that you have, that boasting is excluded, have you ever considered that God is the one who put that faith in you to express. Because until you get that, you'll never understand grace. Ever. Because you can never understand real faith. As long as you think that that faith that you expressed when you were a little boy or girl, or when you were a grown man or woman, as long as you think that faith is something that you had inside of you, walking around for your whole life, And you, just like a vending machine, can kind of just pick and choose which one, where you want to put your faith. As long as you think that is what faith is, you will never understand grace. God gave you the faith to believe. And if that's true, if that's true, and it is, if that's true, what can you take credit for? Nothing. Thank you, Leo. That's the point. The law of faith excludes boasting. God gave you the very faith to believe. Now, friends... This should bring us to the end of ourselves. That's why faith is where pride goes to die. Faith murders pride. When we understand faith, we become a humble people. And there's a great irony today for those. There are people who have, unfortunately, pride is everywhere. It's not just, it's just not some theological category of people who have an ownership on this. I've met people all across the board who are the most prideful people in the world to talk to. But it is very sad that there are some people who understand the doctrines of grace who don't know how to give grace. Who don't know that there's no boasting allowed in the Christian faith. To be Christian is to be humble. And is to kill pride the rest of our lives. And we go back to the grace of God time and time again to see that boasting is excluded. Does anybody like being around a proud man or woman? It's just repulsive. Pride goes to die the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this faith, look in verse 28. This faith is what justifies us. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So God gives us this faith. Boasting is excluded. And the very faith that God gave us is how we get justified. 
So we express the faith that God gives. We're not working okay, to get justified. We're not earning anything from God. We are not going to get what's owed to us. We are giving to God, expressing to God what he put in us. And then based on what God gave us, he justifies us. So we are justified, counted righteous, because God gave us a gift and the ability to express faith in Christ. Do we see how boasting is excluded here? That we don't get to, have, we don't get to take credit for anything. Just, justification, being right with God, cannot be earned. Friends, this is, just, this is Christianity 101. This is what separates us. This verse right here separates Christianity from every other religious scheme of salvation in the world. This, this, this verse, we are justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is radically offensive to those who, by God's grace, would even take the time to consider it. It's radically offensive to, mo to many, many Christians and radically, you mean somebody can live a terrible life their entire life? They could murder people? They could mistreat people. They could do all sorts of heinous crimes and have faith in Christ and be justified? It's morally reprehensible to some people. God's grace is that big? Doesn't matter who you are or where you came from or what you have done, that Jeffrey Dahmer could be justified? For those who don't know, Je Jeffrey Dahmer murdered, he killed people, he mistreated people and did some terrible, terrible things. And there's some who say, well, his, his conversion wasn't real, it was fake, I don't know. But I think many people who doubt his conversion are those who really want to doubt his conversion. He did horrible things and hurt a lot of people, but the grace of God is that big. That a man that terrible, that reprehensible could stand before a holy God justified by faith and apart from works of the law. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. It doesn't matter how far your family members are or your children or those you went to school with or those who you currently go to school with. They are not too far. Surely God can humble the proud. Nebuchadnezzar was right. We are saved by faith. Now, if we consider justification by works, and we think about those in the schemes of the world, about justification by works, we kind of see the appeal. Many of you have seen the movie Saving Private Ryan. And in that movie, there's a really moving scene when Tom Hanks, his character was dying, leaning against the Sherman tank, I believe it was. He was leaning against a tank or something, and he looks over to Private Ryan. And he leans in, and his last words in this movie... He, leans up, they have ex expended all these expenditures and manpower and blood and bullets and ammunition and artillery, all of this to go and get saving, go and get Private Ryan. He lost three brothers and this mission was to go and save Private Ryan. And they went through everything, hell and high water to get Private Ryan. And Private Ryan leans in and Tom Hanks looks at him and he said, you go to the end of the movie and you see old Private Ryan Private Ryan, he kneels down at the end, he's moving, he kneels down at the end of the movie at Tom Hanks' grave. The, I forget 
Anybody remember Tom Hanks' character's name? That movie? Doesn't matter. Ben's over at the grave. And he said, I hope, I hope I have lived up. I hope I have earned what you and those men did for me. The exact words, I wrote them down. He said, I hope at least in your eyes I have earned what all of you have done for me. His wife comes up, the man's wife, and he looks at her and he's in tears. He's got his family in the background. He looks at his wife and he says, tell me, have I lived a good life? Tell me that I'm a good man. Tell me that I'm a good man. And inside of every human being is this moral code, whether they know the Lord or not. And people want justification. They want to know that I'm right before God. They want to know that I've lived a good life. He wanted to know, has my life warranted what they did for me? It costs so much. Has my life warranted it? And if so, if he feels like, if he can get that affirmation, at a conscious level, he can know, I earned it. I earned what they did for me. This is the heart of justification by works. I earned what they did for me. I earned it. And in so many ways, it makes sense. He wanted affirmation. He wanted to feel good about himself. He wanted his wife to look at him in the eyes and say, yes, you are a good man. And there are times and places that, there are, that that is appropriate. But he longed for justification. That's what the man wanted, justification. And he was looking for it by justification through works. Did my life earn what those men did for me? And if we think that salvation is kind of like that, that if I live it well enough, or I, my value must have somehow warranted Jesus doing this for me, we do not understand the depths of God's grace at all. As long as we think we've earned salvation, or we're doing God a favor, or somehow we're living up to the law of God, We'll always internally be able to be proud of ourselves. I did this. I earned this. I got this. I achieved this. God did so much for me. Maybe in my life I can do enough for him and prove to him that he didn't make a mistake. And deep inside of us, there's a longing to earn whatever we get. And we feel wrong to get something we know we don't deserve. It feels icky. It feels wrong. If you grew up in a well-to-do family, it's hard to receive gifts. If you grew up poor, you grew up needing from others. And still yet, there's a sense of pride every time somebody gives a gift. That it's just like, ugh. If you ever been a place financially where you need help and God came through, there's also this element of just ickiness. You just, you just feel like getting this gift, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But here's the thing. If the grace of God is below you, if you have to earn it, if you feel like you have to get it through blood, sweat, and tears, you'll never find it. The grace of God is very unique. Justification by faith is totally different. We did not earn what Jesus did for us. We cannot earn what he did for us. We earned the exact opposite. We did not live a life. We didn't earn it, Tom Hanks. We stand at our graves and we haven't lived up to the life we should have lived. And we look to God for justification through our works, through our calloused hands, and it's not enough. And what we've earned from God 
is his wrath, is his judgment, and it's not good. And the sensible among us are offended by that. But I've lived better than other men. I've lived better than other women. And we look to consider God's law and we hear that no one seeks God. No, you haven't. You haven't. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This justification by faith, apart from the works of the law, is that we are saved not by our efforts, not through our hard work, not through anything that we have done, but through Christ and Christ alone. We simply have faith in Jesus, and we know even that faith to believe was given to us by God. And if we know how much God has given us, how, what we deserve and what we have been given, it will change the life we are living from a life of guilt and hoping that I'm earning to a life of gratitude. And if we understand God's grace, that God has been gracious, and, and even though we were ill-deserving, explosions of joy would go on inside of us. I didn't deserve it. It's so good to me. I, I know the gift that he has given me, and I didn't earn it. My gosh, my life belongs to him. I love him. I'm thankful. I want to live my life, the rest of my life, for his glory and honor. If I was to come to you today, and it would be good news, and just tell you, maybe you just smack me in the face or something like that, and maybe that was what triggered, and I pulled out my wallet, and let's just say I was a multi-trillionaire, and I just pulled out my, and I just handed you the Lewis's. Lewis's, here's a million dollars. Would you be thankful for that? You'd be thankful for that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay, you'd be thankful for that. The Lewis didn't earn a million dollars, but they haven't. And they said, no, 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 we need to, I, I, no, I don't, man, wanna, you keep some of it. We'll take 100,000. We'll, you, you. <laughs> nope. Uh-uh. A million dollars, it's yours, and I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. They would be grateful. They, they got a huge gift. And friends, th this is the deal. If we don't understand the magnitude, the, how big the gift of justification is, You'll never appreciate it. It's better than a million dollars. It really is. And it's tangible. And it's real. Say, so, well, it doesn't seem that real. Get in the Word and spend time with the Lord and see how amazing the grace of God really is. We are justified by faith apart from the works of the law. God has given you the best gift in the history of the world. And you don't have to live the rest of your life wondering, have I done enough? You don't have to be... Private Ryan, at the end of your life, looking at your wife, saying, will you give me affirmation? Will God affirm me? Because you have it now. You're the Lord's. He has approved of you. You are counted righteous. You are justified by faith. You have faith in Christ, brother, sister. Then you're justified. And you have the greatest gift in all of the world. Justification by faith. We haven't earned it. And there's only one justification. I said it earlier, I say it again. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. What nation, what state. It doesn't matter if you grew up in poverty in India or if you grew up in the richest part of California. Here's what the apostle says in verse 29. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Or is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. In other words, the truth of God is, for, is everywhere and it's to everyone. 
God is one, and there's one message that he has. There's one work that he has done for both Jews and Gentiles. Justification. There's one justification. There's one way to be right with God. And this justification is both for the Jew and the Gentile. Now, this is where the Christian faith is the most inclusive and exclusive religion in the world. Anybody, Jew or Gentile, in the world, it's inclusive here, anybody in the world, nobody in the world has gone too far, nobody has sinned far enough, it doesn't matter where you were born, what era you were born, what generation, just anybody, it just doesn't matter, meth heads, come, let's get the Lord, moral person who's great with finances and stuff, come, get the Lord. Medical professional, come to the Lord. Hillbilly, come to the Lord. There's only one way to him. And if you want any other way, you can't have him. It's Christ and Christ alone. And it's not Christ plus you. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus hard work. It's not Jesus plus, I go to church and I memorize my Bible, all good things. It's Jesus plus nothing. And as one preacher once said, he's now crazy, but this wasn't crazy. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything. Now friends, this is good news. It's exclusive. If you don't know Jesus, the wrath of God remains on you. It's inclusive. Come all and have them. Drink from the rivers of delight. Drink your fill of Jesus Christ. There's only one justification. It's the question that determines everything. Do you have faith in the finished work of Christ or not? God justifies all who have faith in Christ. Death. To all religions and messages who say otherwise. Go to hell, other messages who say otherwise. For that's where they're sending people. This is the message by which the church stands or falls. Do we give people Jesus? Or do we give people Jesus plus get to work? And friends, if you have faith in Christ, you're justified. Now, the interesting thing about this is that it doesn't make us antinomian, which means lawless. Nomian, law, anti, we are not anti-law people here. Those who are justified by faith work. Not to be saved, but because we are saved and because we're so grateful can you imagine how terrible it would be of the Lewises after I give them a million dollars if they went out and sp spread lies, slander, and gossip about me? If they went out and said, well, that Jared, he's a jerk. He's a terrible guy. What's their message about me going to be? He's the nicest guy I've ever known. He gave us a million dollars. He's amazing. I mean, they would praise me because that's what people do when they're, when they re they're recipients of a great gift. You're thankful. You don't turn around and say, now that you gave me that gift, I'm going to misuse you and mistreat you and abuse you and 
drag your name through the mud and not give you thanks or praise? How asinine is that? And anybody who says you can take the grace of God and use it as a licentiousness or a license to go out and sin is crazy. And there are people who actually think that you can become a Christian, get your ticket to heaven, and go out and live the life that you want to live the way you want to live it and not deny yourself, take up the cross and follow him. If you've been given a million dollars, you speak well of the person who gave you a million dollars. This was what you do. And we've been given so much more. So much more. I love babies. Aren't you glad? Here's the thing. How great is it to actually hear babies than to not have babies around here? You know, like, isn't it good that we see them? That's great. We would be crazy to look at the grace of God and just say, well, I'm going to live for me now. Crazy. So verse 31 shoots us pretty straight here. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. We are setting the table for where we go in the next several chapters in Romans. By all means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. How does faith uphold the law? How does faith uphold the law or hold up the law? It doesn't just do away with the law. Two ways. And these two words are imputation of righteousness and impartation of righteousness. Imputation of righteousness and impartation of righteousness. The law is upheld first because the righteousness of God is imputed to you. You are counted as a lawkeeper. You're counted as one who's obeyed the law perfectly. So God's justice and righteousness is upheld. His law is upheld. You go to heaven because you have a lawkeeper who kept the law in your place for you. You can't get to heaven without being perfectly holy. And you're accounted perfectly holy because you're accounted as somebody who's obeyed everything that God has ever told you to do. Every law that's ever been given to humanity, every single thing he's asked you to do in your life since you've been living, whether it's from 1950 till today, or whether it's 1999 till today, if you're in Christ, you're accounted as somebody who's done everything that God has ever told you. This is what we talked about last week. Justification. Imputed righteousness. It's always good to hear about that. Is anybody bored of imputed righteousness? I mean, goodness gracious. That's kind of like the hook. It's like what Rascal Flats is to country music. It kind of gets you hooked and then gets you in. It's imputed righteousness, you know, just gets you hooked. And, sorry. That's what it used. That's kind of what got me in. Then it was Alan Jackson. I don't listen to Rascal Flats. I don't want to embarrass myself. Imputation of righteousness. All who have faith in Christ are kept as a law keeper. But then there's this thing that the Methodists love and... Brett spent time in a Methodist church, and there's a side of the coin that they get right, even though they get some other things right, sorry, Brett, uh, other things wrong, uh, is to neglect imputed righteousness, you miss the gospel. But to neglect imparted righteousness, you deny what God has called you to do in keeping the law. You become antinomian. And imparted righteousness is... The fact that what Christ, what God imputes to you, counts to you, he begins to impart to you. He begins to actually make you better people. So we start, as we walk in the Christian life, we start sinning less. And over the course of our lives, there's ups and downs, of course. There's time, there's valleys and, you know, mountain peaks. For some, the mountain peaks are higher, and for some, the valleys are lower. There's times where you feel like you're going to go 12 steps forward, but then you turn around and you went nine steps back. But you know what? You're still three steps forward. 
But imparted righteousness is this idea that God actually begins to work in your heart. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart in such a way that you're becoming more and more holy. More and more like Jesus. We had a discussion over at Terry and Vicky's house Friday night. They cooked us. If they ever invite you over to eat, you go over and eat at Terry and Vicky's house. Okay? You, do, you cancel whatever you have to cancel. If it's your mother's funeral, you cancel it and you go and you eat at Terry and Vicky's house. There's a pile of steak here. I mean, whatever you want. I mean, piles. I ate probably 25 ounces of steak, if not more. Filet, it was amazing. Hospitality, by the way. This, it's a gift God's given you guys. And we had this conversation about sanctification. And it was good coming up on this sermon to think through these things. But if you're a Christian, then what the Holy Spirit is doing to you over a period of time is he's making you more like Jesus. And you may not see it. In fact, this is how humility works. You don't see it as much as other people do. If you see it more than other people do, you become the person who's running around talking about how good you are and how much more like Jesus you are than everybody else. True humility is something other people see. You don't see it very much. Because you know how proud, these places in your heart that are still proud. But because God's spirit indwells you in the promise from Ezekiel that we read before we, that he will cause us to obey his rules. The spirit of God dwells within us. We are becoming more like Jesus. We are becoming law keepers. We are counted as law keepers and we are becoming law keepers. So when we get, for instance, to Romans chapter 12, and we look at verses 9 through 11, and I want to, 9 and 10, and we hear words like this, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with, broad, with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. When we hear these commands, this is the law of God, this is what he wants us to do. And this is what he's commissioned Christians to do. We're going to get this in Romans. And when we get to this, because we've been given a gift far greater than a million dollars, and we're so grateful, when Jesus has something for us, when God speaks to us, and he says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another, you know what our response should be? Okay, I want to do that this week. I want to love one another this week. And if I find myself being annoyed with somebody, I, I want to love them instead of being annoyed. And I, I want to abhor what is evil. I don't want to laugh about evil. I want to hate it. And I want to obey what God has for me to say. And if I said this again, the million, Lewis, here's a million dollars. There's just one thing I want you to do with it. Go fill up somebody's tank today. I want you to go buy somebody's, when you go home today, stop at a gas station. Taxes, taxes went up, Illinois. And I want you to buy somebody's, you know, just buy them a tank of gas. You know, you know what I think the Lewises do? They would buy them a tank of gas. They wouldn't say, how dare you ask something of me? How dare you make demands and lay demands on me? It would be a joy. Yes, of course. You have been gracious to me. What a great delight to go and be gracious to somebody else. I would love to go buy them a tank of gas. That would be great. Kids, let's go. Reagan, yes, you can come too. Yes, let's do this. Let's go. You know what? We may even buy... Three or four people would take a gas. We've been, we've been a recipient of grace, a really good gift, and we want to share that gift. Friends, this is how sanctification works. This is how the law of God is upheld through justification, by grace, through faith, alone, apart from the works of the law. We get to be people who get to skip because Jesus tells us what to do. 
Yes, Jesus, thank you for telling me what to do today. I'm going to abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. I'm going to walk in humility today. And help me to do that because I can't do it on my own strength. But when I see pockets of pride, help me kill it. I don't want to be proud. Boasting's excluded. So today, God, help me to love people today. When I see evil, help me hate it. Not laugh at it. When I see something on TV, help me not laugh at evil. Help me abhor it. Friends, the law of God is upheld because we believe that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to God be the glory alone. And we become law keepers. Counted as law keepers and slowly beginning to be actual law keepers. So let's put this into practice. What area of your life are you proud? Are you proud for being a Christian? Or maybe this morning you discovered treasures of the grace of God. We didn't do anything to earn it. Maybe that truth hits you this morning. I'm often proud just thinking through what ways am I proud. I'm proud and Jordan can testify to this. If I don't know how to do something, I avoid it or I get short with her or anybody who would ask me to do it because I'm too proud to admit I don't know how to do that. Or embarrassed that Dennis, my father-in-law, does and I don't know how. Which he knows how to do everything. So I avoid situations that expose me as ignorant. It's a practice of mine to try to ask people if I don't know something or a word, what is that word? Because I have a tendency in me for people to want to make people think that I'm smarter than I am. And so I'll try to sound smarter than I am. Or I'll try to act like, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know. That's pride. I get upset myself or embarrassed. I'm posing. Presenting not who I actually am, but who I want people to think I am. And when they think I'm that way, I get proud about it. Yes. It's pride. People pose so they won't be exposed. Because to be exposed is embarrassing. It hurts. It stinks. That's pride. So today, where do we need to repent? God has given us a quadrillion dollars and said, follow me. I think in our heart we can smile and say, okay, in my joy, I will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy.